Well, this morning, as we worship in the park, you know, I was, uh, I was lamenting to uh, Tom earlier that we don't have a softball game going on like we did last year because I really liked imagining those cheers were for me <laughs> while we were preaching. Today, we're going to finish up our series on the Sermon on the Mission, Matthew chapter 10. So if you have uh, a Bible with you or on your phone, you want to follow along, we're going to finish up chapter 10 this morning, and we're looking at the last two verses, excuse me, the last uh, three verses of the, of, the, uh, of the chapter. Thank you very much. Yeah, this morning we're going to finish up with Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. This is God's holy word for us, his people. Jesus says, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet, because he is a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person, because he is a righteous person, will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple... Truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. These are the words of Jesus. Let's, let's pray and ask God to bless our time in his word. Father, we ask that you would speak to us from your word. We ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear all that your son, our Lord, our master, our savior, our teacher has to tell us. We pray that you would... Write your truth upon our hearts today. Increase our faith to believe what you say. Put joy in our hearts to receive it and welcome it, and an eagerness in our will to go out and obey. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so like I said, we finish up our series on the Sermon on the mission. Let me backtrack for just a moment and cover where we've been. We're doing this series in this time of where the colors are green on the church calendar. It's fitting that the we're sitting out in the beautiful green of God's creation because this blooming, growing green around us is sort of why the colors are green for this season because it's growing season for the church. We come through Lent, we come through Easter, so death and resurrection, and now the colors are green because the church is supposed to go and grow as we wait for the return of Christ, which is the next thing on the calendar, Advent. Now we have Christ the King in there where we acknowledge that he is the one on the throne, and then Advent about we remember his first coming to look forward to his second coming because we know he's coming again. And we are to be faithful laborers in the vineyard. That's Matthew 9, where we started this series. We are to be out in the, out in the, in the field, out in the harvest, laboring away in the mission of Christ as individuals, as Christian families, as groups of Christian friends, 
as a congregation, as a presbytery, as a denomination, as the universal church or the small c Catholic church spread abroad in the land. We are to be God's people who are going and growing. And how do we do that? We water this earth with the word of God. And as the word multiplies, the glory of God is seen and it spreads and people are converted and lives are changed and the churches are grown and and they get built and they get planted and the mission continues. We multiply, we go, we grow, and we fill this earth with the good news. We fill this earth with more people who worship Jesus. As John Piper once famously put it, missions exist because worship doesn't. We want to take the message to places where King Jesus isn't being worshipped yet. There's, There's a place in this earth where the flag of Christ does not fly, where the kingdom has not won that neighborhood and that street and that community and that nation and that civilization. There are places where Jesus is not worshipped. And so missions exist to fix that problem. And the church is the answer. And scripture is our weapon of choice. It's the only weapon that we've been given. And so that's where we started. That's what this series has been about. To summarize this mission in chapter 10 as Jesus lays it out. To join him in his mission. He's the Lord of the harvest. And we are to be his laborers in the field. And Jesus says, pray earnestly for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Because the the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And what we should be doing is saying, when we pray, Lord, send laborers, we shouldn't just say, send those people to labor. And I'll stay comfy here, thank you very much. We should be willing to say, Lord, and if it's my turn to get in the field, send me. I'm ready to go. And that's what took us into the next week. As we looked at Matthew 9, 35 to 38, we went into chapter 10 where we saw these these 12 Jesus picks. He has a big group and he picks 12 and he says, you are among my disciples. Now you're going to be apostles. And we talked about what it means to go from a disciple to an apostle, a a small a apostle, not one of the capital A, like original apostles. Nobody can be that. That time has passed, okay? The expiration date to get your application in for that job, it's it's over. But small a apostles, that's everybody. And the, the call is to go from just a student, a disciple who's learning and growing, to being a laborer in the field, a A disciple is an apostle in training. And an apostle is a disciple who's graduated, has his degree, and he's he's in his field doing his job. And there's a time to be both, right? There's a time when you're not ready to go out into the field yet. You're learning and growing. You can't be expected to pray a prayer and go save the world. No one's asking you to. But you're plugged into a body, and you're growing, and you're learning, Not to keep it to yourself and pat yourself on the back and say, Ooh, I know all the theology and all the Bible and you're all wrong and look at me. (laughs) You know, who cares if you know all about the doctrine of forgiveness but you don't forgive anybody? We're not just learning this stuff to get fat heads and shriveled hearts and dead souls. We're learning this stuff to share it and live it with each other, right? And share it with people. And be actual Christians in life, not just studying books and cramming our heads. We want to go from a disciple who is learning. Stuff your head full, Christian, but then give it an outlet in life. And you do that by joining a church, 
joining a small group, getting with some friends who do Bible studies, meeting with other Christians, getting into this mission. That's what we're called to do, and that's where it starts. So that's where the series started. That's where Jesus started in Matthew chapter 10, the end of chapter 9 into chapter 10. And then he told us what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to find our specific target area in this mission. And when we find our area, that means we locate a need in our county or township or wherever. We find our area where we say God has given us the people, the resources, the know-how, the opportunities. He's opened the doors. He's given us connections. And we're looking for ways to go do this mission Actually, in life, not just on paper or not just in a room as a committee talking about it up to death, but going and doing it and making some choices and spending some money and getting out there and doing it. And if we don't have the money, we trust God to give it to us. We don't let those sorts of things grind our mission to a halt because we trust God to provide. And when we go, we're we got to avoid being cross-only Christians and kingdom-only Christians. Remember that sermon a few weeks ago? Cross-Christians are the ones who it's all about the death of Jesus, and then we just don't worry about meeting needs. We just worry about getting conversions and wait until Jesus comes back. And we don't lift a finger to help in this life. And then the other extreme is to be a kingdom Christian who's like, man, Jesus, the kingdom stuff, that was cool. Too bad he got killed. He was doing such good work, and now now they crucified him, and good kingdom stuff was happening, but now it's over. Too bad. And and it's like the cross is like an interruption. (laughs) No, we need both. We need both. The whole gospel for the whole person. And not just a whole person, but a whole family, and a whole street and neighborhood and community. And so we need to dream and think and Ask the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and to give us open doors and to give us opportunities to find ways, not just as individuals. So many of you do such great ministry around here in your own capacity as an individual Christian. Thank God for that and praise God for that. Keep going. There's more we can do as a body, though. We can get plugged in to our presbytery and partner with people and plant churches and send mission. I know we already support a ton of missionaries, but... You think those few missionaries covers everything? (laughs) They don't. So we're being called to think and dream and catch Jesus' dream for his world. Catch his passion for his kingdom. And let it excite you. And let it stir you and move you and get you ready to go and, and be a vocal Christian. Not just individually, but as part of this church. Be a Christian who's engaged, who has the character of Christ and the patience and tenderness and grace and respect and humility and love and meekness of the Savior. Not some brash bully who stuffs the gospel down someone's throat or yells at people for violating Christian morality when they're not even Christians yet. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Right? So, Jesus tells us about how to do the mission. We saw that in chapter 10. He next came to tell us about the warnings, about the opposition we're going to face. And what do we do when people reject and don't like it and don't want it? Well, we shake it off. (laughs) He says, shake the dust off your feet. So you shake it off and you don't let it bother you. And then when the persecution comes, he says, get out of there. Flee. Get away from it. You don't have to needlessly be a martyr. 
flee to the next place. But when they catch you, if they catch you, when you get persecuted, he says, that's part of what taking up your cross means. That's part of what it means. And he calls us to have ultimate allegiance in Jesus and to be satisfied with being like Jesus because that's how they treated him. So to treat it as an honor to be treated like Jesus instead of a burden. Now, we don't have the resources in ourselves to feel like that, think like that, live like that, love like that. Forget about it. (laughs) Your pastor doesn't. And so we need the Holy Spirit and we need each other and we need this church. And that's what gets us through. And we need the promise of eternal life on the other side that after the cross comes the crown. Otherwise, we're just going to give up. We're just going to lose heart. So we got to know God's promises and cling to those promises and persevere and endure to the end. That's what we're called to do. Okay. That's a good review. It brings us up to our, our last passage today. Matthew 10, 40 to 42. What do we see in this passage? Jesus begins by picking up roughly where he started in chapter 10. I just mentioned that he wants us to go from disciples to apostles. Again, small a apostles. To be those who are learning, to being those who are sent, which is what an apostle is, a messenger, somebody who's sent on a specific assignment. Here in verse 40, he picks up that idea again. And he says, whoever receives you, receives me. And whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. So what's happening here? This is the idea that Jesus is God's ambassador. Whoever receives me, receives him who sent me. So how you treat Jesus equals how you treat the one who sent Jesus. God sent Jesus into the world to be his representative, to be his Messiah, to be the one who represents him. And so that Jesus can say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's not because Jesus is the Father, but it's because the Father is in him and has sent him and authorized him and empowered him to bear his name and be about his business and do his works in the world. That's why Jesus says, It's the Father in me who's doing His work. I do what He says. He sent me. And here He says, it's not just a relationship between God and Jesus that's this ambassador relationship, but it's also you guys, right where you sit. Whoever receives you, the disciples, whoever receives you, receives me. So the way people treat you equals how they're treating Jesus. And that should liberate you in a couple of ways. That should give you a relief that when you get opposed for being a Christian, it's not about you. (laughs) Now, you can make it about you by being a jerk and being pushy and a bully and, right? We can be bad ambassadors, misrepresenting Jesus, of course. And we're good at that because we're still sinners. But when you're doing it right, biblically, and they still don't like it, and they still tell you to take a hike and get lost and use some other language we're not allowed to use at church. That's not about you. You, You're invisible at that point. 
They don't like your Jesus. And so don't take it personal. (laughs) That's how you can shake it off. Because it's really not about you. But we like to make it about us. It isn't. They're rejecting him. Rejection of you equals rejection of him. Again, assuming you're not giving them extra reasons to not like you. (laughs) Okay? It should free us up from taking it personal when people who aren't Christians want to stay not Christians and tell you with your Jesus to go away. It's about him. It's spiritual darkness. It's spiritual blindness. And also, this should free us up by by remembering that you're an ambassador of the king. You're representing him. Just as God empowered and authorized and put his name on Jesus and sent him to do his work and his will for the mission, Jesus has a recruited you you've you've been a student a disciple now you're you've graduated you've now you're still going to keep learning right continuing education is important but you've graduated from disciple now you're ready to get in the field you're going to go into the harvest you're going to be there as a sent one working laboring and now you're going to understand that you're also an ambassador that you're there not to tell them your own ideas, not to present your own gospel, your own message, your own spin or take on Christianity. You're there to say nothing original at all. You're just there to be a mouthpiece for Jesus. You take his words and repeat them. You take his message and repeat it. You take his teachings and you repeat it. And that means you've got to be a good disciple who knows that stuff. And then you're an apostle because you've not just you're out of the classroom, now you're sent. And now you're an ambassador. You bear the name of Christ. You have his message. You have his word. You have his power. He authorizes you and equips you and calls you and gifts you to go do this mission. To accomplish it. And that's good news because now I don't have to worry about, man, how am I going to be clever enough to talk this guy into praying this prayer and dragging him to church? How am I going to be cool enough, winsome enough, smart enough, hip enough, bright enough intelligent enough, clever enough? How am I going to be able to have all the answers? And how am I going to be able to say that right thing? And what if it, what if it doesn't work? And they're going to go to hell and it's my fault because I'm not good enough. Or I'm just not even going to try because I just don't know how to do it. And no one's ever showed me and, you know, can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm just, you know, I'm just going to keep. I like my pew. I love sitting next to Rick. I like just just comfy, cozy, you know? I'm just going to stay here, you know? Rick won't mind. <laughs> All right, Rick doesn't want me to stay here. That's because Rick's a good elder. And he's like, no, get out there. <laughs> right? We do that. We, we, we give ourselves excuses. We justify passivity, and we justify sort of shrinking back. And it doesn't make you a bad person. Maybe you just, you just don't, you just kind of doubt that you can do it. Well, you should doubt you can do it. You can't. It's not, but it's not you. It's Christ who's the one who's able to give you that boldness, that courage, to give you that word, that timely word in season to just say the right thing. And you're just planting seeds anyways. You're out there in the field. You're dropping in the seeds. You're watering seeds that have already been planted. And you're, God's the one who makes things grow. God's the one who gets the glory. He's the Lord of the harvest. You just have to be faithful and step out. And yeah, take your licks. Sometimes you got to take an L. You're going to lose some encounters. And it's going to be awkward. And that's fine. Shake it off. 
Obviously, all this is easier said than done. Right? Easier said than done. This is why we need each other. And this is why we need to draw near to Christ. And we got to know this word. Because this is the thing that can calm our hearts, calm our fears, teach us what to say, show us how to win people to Christ, show us how to serve the needy. This Scripture is sufficient to teach you how to be a disciple. If you don't know, we need each other and we need God's Word. And together in a community as a family, we can learn it and we can practice it. And we can get better and better at practicing it. Because God is merciful. He's not expecting perfection on day one or even on day at the end, at the last day. Not perfection, persistent faithfulness. That's what we're after. You're an ambassador for Christ. So it's not about you. So that when they accept, when, when they accept the gospel and you lead someone to Christ or you serve somebody and meet a need and they say thank you, Jesus gets credit for that. And when they don't like you and tell you to get lost, well... That's not about you. They don't like Jesus. So keep it about Jesus. And just take yourself out of the equation. And let Jesus do his mission through you. You be available. We are ambassadors for Christ. All right, the next thing Jesus tells us here in verse 41 is he talks about giving and receiving. He talks about rewards. It's interesting what he says. Continuing this idea of this ambassador... He says, the one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. So what's happening here? Well, the principle is you cannot give what you do not have. You can't give somebody something you don't have. If, if me and Sarah are watching TV and she says, give me the remote, I can't do that unless I have it. Right? I can't give somebody something I don't have. In this context, a righteous person has the kind of reward that a righteous person can give. And a prophet has the kind of reward that a prophet can give. So you can't give what you don't have, but you can't give something greater than what you're able to give. So a prophet is able to give you the best that a prophet can give you. And a righteous man can give you the best that a righteous person can give you. It's about the nature of the gift that's able to be given. Now, what's he talking about? Remember earlier in chapter 10 when he he says there are two departments of this mission. There are those who go and those who send. The ones who go are itinerants. They move around. And the ones who send are the places that the itinerants land. So the itinerant knocks on a door. They present the gospel. If they receive it, that means they welcome the itinerants into their house. They feed them. They bless them. They equip them. And they send them to the next place to go to the next house. And it says if if they reject you, then you let your peace return to you. If a prophet knocks on the door and they say, oh, you are a prophet, please come in, Mr. Prophet. Sit down at the head of the table and we'll cook you a meal and we'll supply you and support you and bless you and send you. If they do that, then that prophet's blessing that he is able to give, he will put upon that, that home. 
You have welcomed me as a prophet, and as a prophet, I give you a prophet's blessing. Or if it's a righteous person, same thing. As a righteous person, I give you the gift that I'm able to give you as a righteous person. That's the idea. In verse 42, he says this, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, and the little ones is Jesus' expression in Matthew for humble Christians. It doesn't mean children, like literal children. It means a humble Christian. He talks about this at length in chapter 18. And then he calls him a disciple later in, in verse 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple. Truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So a prophet comes to the door and they lavish blessings on him. A righteous man comes to the door. A great sage comes to the door and a holy man and they sit him down and they bless him and they just lavish food and support on him. And they get a prophet's reward and they get a righteous person's reward. But notice what this says. If a house welcomes the gospel and they bring a disciple, an apostle in to the home and they sit them down. And if they give nothing more than a cup of cold water, they will receive their reward. What does he say? I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. So you respond not you, but the, if a person responds to the gospel and they accept you because you're a disciple, an ambassador for Christ, and they bring you in and they respond favorably with a cup of cold water, huh? that's all you get. That's all you get. They will receive their reward. What's their reward? What gift, what reward can a disciple give? A prophet can give a prophet's gift. A righteous man can give a righteous man's gift. What do you as a disciple have to give? Remember, you're an ambassador and it's not about you. The gift, the blessing, the reward you bring is the kingdom. It's the kingdom. And it's the king of that kingdom. You have the gift of Jesus to share with people. The gospel of the kingdom. The gift of the kingdom. When people respond to the message, you are bringing them Jesus. You are bringing them into God's kingdom. You are bringing them. Again, Jesus through you and God through you is doing this. He's using you to do his work. And if you've ever led somebody to Christ, and I mean really led somebody to Christ, where you can see it happening in front of you, they, have, they were dead. <laughs> and you shared Jesus. And they came alive. If you've, you've, if you've ever seen that happen in front of you, you know you had nothing to do with it except just yapping. You just opened your mouth and said some stuff and, and said, Lord, here we go. <laughs> I, hope, yeah, I hope you can use this. And if you watch somebody get born again right in front of you, you know it's just the absolute gift. It's just the power of God just falling, just coming out of you and falling on them. 
And you know that what you did was you just served as this connector. You just, you just gave them a connection to Jesus. God just worked through you, and he did it. You have given them the gift, or rather God through you has given them a reward that they will not lose. That they will not lose. Christ has claimed them for his kingdom, and he will not let them go. And that's the last point. The greatest reward we have to give is the Jesus that we love and serve. We spread this kingdom. We spread his kingship. And we watch him use us to participate in what he's doing. So again, I say, it's not about us. Just get out of the way. Just be a taught, trained, ready, willing, humble, loving, persevering Christian. And that's the kind of church we should be, not just as individuals. And we go and we're faithful. Yeah, there's going to be rejection. Yeah, there's going to be opposition. But yes, there's going to be conversion too. Lives will get changed. And we'll see it happening in front of us. And we'll have the joy of being able to say, God, thank you for being true to your word. When we finally listen to Jesus, look at that. (laughs) He did his work through us. And now we get the joy and he gets the glory. And that's the best possible scenario. That's the best possible scenario. So as a conclusion to this series, let us ask God to fill us and flood us with his Holy Spirit. Let us ask Jesus to make his passion for his kingdom contagious and infectious and let it just take control of us so that we can move forward and be his church for our next generation, our, ne- our, our future that's sitting in front of us. We have a wonderful history and legacy that we'll never forget and that we thank God for. But I think God has more for us ahead. And so let's press into God's future for us at the forts. And let's pray together and dream together and study scripture together and, pr- and go to prayer and get in a small group and get plugged in and participate and serve and find where God wants you to be in this church. If you're a disciple who's still learning, keep learning. Ask God if you're ready to get out in the harvest and go from disciple to apostle. And remember that regardless, you're always an ambassador of Christ and he can always use you. He can always work through you to do his wonders. So let's ask God to give us Give us this passion for the kingdom. Give us this love for others. Give us a hunger for his word like we've never known. Give us a thirst and a craving for prayer that we haven't seen in generations. Lord, light this fire again. And where it's still burning in some of us or certain parts of our church, increase it. Bring us together that your kingdom might spread and that your glory might be seen and cover this area. Pray with me that God will do that. Let's pray. Father, we give you all the glory. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that we have the opportunity sitting right in front of us to be more alive and on fire and more engaged and more joyful than we've ever been in your service. We're standing on the edge of everything that we could be If we'll just take that step 
Maybe it feels like Peter stepping out of the boat onto the waves. But Lord, if you're calling us out onto those waves, let us step out. And may we not look at the wind around us and the trials and troubles and circumstances and the storms, but to stay laser focused on Christ so that we do not sink beneath the waves, but we walk with triumph and victory and power. And we see you use us to spread your gospel, to find your people who you've already called and chosen to belong to you, to be the agents, the instruments that connect those people with the gospel, to see needs met, to see lives changed. And let it start with us. Change our lives today. Make us into the people in the church that you've called us to be. We thank you for how far you've already brought us. But we look forward to what you have for us next. So you do what only you can do. We'll be your ambassadors. And we'll give you all the glory. And we'll do it in Jesus' name. Amen.